0: God bless you, saints. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We'll just continue on our little study in Hebrews thirteen. We almost almost made it to the end, but there's still some weighty scriptures there at the, in that in that chapter that we um, I'm looking forward to covering. Let's just bow our heads before we before we get into the study. Lord, we're so grateful to be able to gather together around your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless today, Lord, as we come ex- with expecting hearts, Lord Jesus, to receive from you. Grant it, Lord, that you'll guide us through this study of your word, Lord, and pray, Lord, that you'll just be with Brother Wade as he's preparing, Lord, and help our hearts today. We pray in your name. Amen. <clears throat> now <clears throat> as we get through um Hebrews 13 about verses four and five and, and so on. Um, Paul's kind of moving into, uh, where he's just kind of all through that, that last chapter, he's just kind of hitting on this thing and then this thing and just kind of moving through pretty rapidly, different little topics. But one thing he's talking about in verses five and six and, and, and so forth is, is to the concept of being holy. And so I just want to read a few scriptures from Leviticus and first Peter where, um, God is telling us in Leviticus, He said in in chapter 19 that ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So I, I believe as we meditate on all these scriptures, God is God is expressing to us that He wants us to, to not just just uh, come to church and stay as we are, but He's going to change us and to 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 be like Him. And so to, uh, I I thank God that He set it up that way that we He can take us from being unclean. And clean us up so that our life is changed. In Leviticus chapter 20, he said, Sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. And in 1 Peter, he said, "But uh, uh, Peter's telling us, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So God don't want us to have unclean conversation, unclean lives, He wants to clean us up so that we can live right and do right and be an example to others so that when people see our lives, they say, well, there's a real true Christian. So let's start meditating on Hebrews 13. In verse 1, it says, let brotherly love continue. We've already kind of studied on that a little bit. In verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And in verse 3, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. And then which suffer adversity is being yourselves also in the body. And verse four is where we start getting into holiness. Marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now you think about how in the, in the beginning that God set up this, this pattern of, of a man and a woman that, that God set up this pattern where you, he doesn't want you to go through life alone, that he set it up so that you'd have somebody to go through life with. That there's nothing wrong with that situation, that scenario, but there is something wrong when God, when the devil comes and perverts that situation and, and makes somebody live an unclean life. So God has called us to live a holy life. He's, he's put parameters around the way that we we're supposed to be living and conducting ourselves so that, you know, there's things that you can do when you're married that you can't do when you're not married. Because God, listen, God wants to live, he wants us to live a, a holy, separated, set apart life where we're living in a way that we really demonstrate what a, what a Christian is supposed to look like. Now, uh, in Galatians chapter chapter 5, Paul said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's telling us, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be ye not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate nor abuses of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous. And we'll look at covetousness in a second, because Paul's getting to that in the next next verse. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Well, look at the class he's putting that in. If you're living an unclean life where you're doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing that are contrary to the word of God, uh, living outside the bounds that God has put for us, then you've, you've got a promise here in the Bible that the kingdom of God is not for you. But then he says, and such were some of you, but you are washed. You've been cleaned up, made holy. You are sanctified if, if God has got a hold of your life, if God has grabbed a hold of you, if you've yielded yourself to the word. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God of our god and of course you know if you were to study out justification justified means you look at you and say well what, what you can't find anything wrong justified means you're you've been made just because you put your trust in what jesus christ has done for you and he's cleaned you up <coughs> now brother ram said at the pergamum church age he said so balaam got israel to commit fornication do you know that physical fornication is the very same spirit that lies in organized religion I said that the spirit of fornication is the spirit of organization, and all fornicators will have their place in the lake of fire. Now, you see what we're doing this morning is we're studying. We're going through verse by verse. It's not anything that I picked out to target anything, but the word is still a, a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Of the, it it, discern, it go, goes forth, and it'll, it'll uh, convict where somebody needs to be convicted. And you see, it's not me. This is really the really technical term for this is exegesis where you go through verse by verse and you let the scripture explain itself and the word will convict a heart. So maybe this morning there's somebody that needs to sit in here this morning that ain't quite living right. And it's up to you who, who that might be, but the word will go forth and and it'll convict. And you begin to, uh, the word, will, if you'll yield yourself to it, the word will begin to shape your life and shape the way you think. And you'll begin to come, come to God and God can clean you up. But now see, there's, there's the mystery of the, under the first seal is that the Holy Ghost can drive that unclean spirit out Amen. and clean you up, and that is the recipe for getting rid of your iniquity. Right. What you need is the Holy Ghost in your life, and that will make you clean. That will clean you up and sanctify you and make you holy. Right. <clears throat> and John, John MacArthur, I've just got some quotes here about living a holy life. He said, this is a nation so far down in the sewer of immortality and in wickedness that nothing surprises me. When Billy Graham said, regardless of what society says, we can't go on much longer in the sea of immorality without judgment coming. You think about the whole world is 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 just uh going into filth and, and and horribleness. First Corinthians chapter six says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And Paul goes on to explain that if you go read in 1 Corinthians 6, because that kind of, that, that kind of sin, you're joining yourself to another, another body. When two bodies are joined together, you become one flesh. In 1 Corinthians six fifteen, he said, Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid, because you've got that law, that law. That, uh, That uh, according to the scripture, you two, two bodies coming together. And I know I'm speaking a little bit frankly this morning for Sunday, for Sunday school, maybe, but it become two bodies become one flesh. In first Thessalonians chapter four, it says, for this is the will of God. Now think about this. The will of God is for you to live a holy and clean life. God does not want you to sit in church for 10, 20 years and be going home and looking at stuff on the internet that you're not supposed to be looking and lusting after things that you're not supposed to be. He wants that's the, the will of God is for God to clean you up. Right. The will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. God wants to, do you to know how to how to possess your spirit to keep your body under subjection, to turn your eye when something uh, walks, walks in front of your path. He said, not in the lust of concupiscence. That's that word that means that uncontrolled urge, that like, like y'all know, <laughs> even as the Gentiles which know not God that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God wants a holy, cleaned up church. And he's going to have a spotless bride, a bride without any spot, without any wrinkle. That's the kind of bride that's God, that God is going to have. In Ephesians chapter 5, he said, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Now, now, let it not be not once named among you means don't, don't even joke about it. Don't talk about it with your, you know, joking around in the parking lot. Just leave it over to the side. Just all that unclean conversation. Now, look what Paul's saying. Neither filthiness, filthy jokes have no place in a Christian's conversation, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. Now that kind of jesting is not the jesting like, you know. Why we just, we, you know, we, we like to have fun, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying the word that word in Greek means is eutropelia, which means that wit, a wordplay that is clever, but also potentially suggestive or offensive. You're saying something that sounds uh, it, it, there's like that underlying meaning that's that's a little bit filthy. That, that joke that a Christian don't have no business telling because, you know, somebody will overhear it and you're like that, sounds like, that sounds like a worldly person's joke. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God covetous man now there there we're going again into the the next thing that paul's going to talk about so in second timothy chapter two he says flee also the youthful lust but follow righteousness faith charity peace with them that call on the lord out of a pure heart god wants us to have pure motives pure thinking pure conversation our whole life cleaned up uh, everything, just just pure righteousness, faith, charity, peace, all those things. Like a nice, clear stream just bubbling out of the mountains with no filth in it. That's the kind of life and conversation that God wants us to have. And <clears throat> the message fellowship, he said, it's later than what we think it is. The coming of the Lord at hand, man's hearts is to the place, civilization falling, sinking right now. Just look at this America. What a disgrace. Look what Jesus said in the last days like it was with Noah. They'd be given in marriage and things. Look at the divorce courts in America is greater than all the nations put together. Look at the immorality. Now, you think think about divorce. I I think I read that 50% of all married couples are going to get divorced. Look at the immorality. Look at the perversion of sex perverted clothes out on the West Coast and all around. Now, it's, it's the same as it was in the day of Lot where you couldn't even find 10 clean people in the day of lot now look it's come on over to the same thing that's the day where god's going to have a pure spotless bride to show the devil somebody's going to be able to believe his word and live it thousands times thousands growing every year filth dirty ungodly taking the natural use of the body and being perverted into something people with perverted minds men go out and carry on the way they do women wearing these little old clothes out there they don't think they're wrong sure not their minds perverted. The devil's got a hold of them. They don't know it. <clears throat> now, maybe, this, maybe these things that I'm reading here will go out and convict somebody if they're not living right and not doing right. If you match up with this, what this quote is saying, then maybe it's time to get right so that your life matches up with the parts of the word that will identify you as a real Christian believer. It's time to not pity patty around and play, but, but make sure that we're right with God. I was talking with somebody recently where they, I think sometimes people get kind of confused about the statue of a perfect man, where they lump everything over into growth and say, well, I can live wrong, but that just means I'm going up the statue of a perfect man. No, I, th- I think it's time we get convicted and get really, get, let's get straight with God and maybe find out if we're really born again or not. Instead of saying, well, I'm, I'm born again, I'm just climbing up the statue of a perfect man. No, it's not time for greasy grace, it's time for living right and living holy and, and making sure we're, we're toeing the line. <clears throat> and so Paul says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will, ne- I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, you, you, as we meditate on this, you know, a lot of the Christian journey is, is having the right mindset. The right mental attitude toward any of God's word will bring it to pass. Amen. So when we have the right, look what these scriptures are doing. They're changing the way we look at our situation and the way that we're looking at how we're living as we meditate on this. Now, now covetousness and in Exodus, it says thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou, so that your neighbor's got a nice house and you look at that and say, well, I wish I had that. And you start thinking wrong thoughts about it. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. Maybe you start looking at your, the, your, your spouse and you think, man, I don't like my spouse. I wish I had somebody else. I wish my spouse was like somebody else. And then you start going down the wrong, the wrong avenue with it. Nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Now, now say what's the antidote to be, to covet is to just be content with what God has given you. Now there, now there's a secret to a happy life. If you've got a little box or if you've got a mansion to be satisfied with what God has given you. Now, now there's a, there's a, Oh, you can get into some, listen, you got to churches and there's pastors that wish they have a big giant church. If you just be content with what God has given you, no matter where you are in life, if you've got a small church or a big church, a small house or a big house, a small family or a big family, a lot of money in the bank or a little money in the bank, but to be happy and content with whatever God has given you. If you get invited to preach a lot or if you don't get invited to preach a lot, no matter where you are in life, if you can say, God is using me, God, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. If you're just a little housewife in the kitchen making biscuits in the morning and that's what God wants you to to do, then be satisfied with that. And then you can be content knowing that you're where God wants you to be. So let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, if you've got that promise laying in the Bible, that means... No matter what you've got in life, as long as you've got Christ, you've got everything that you need. Now, that's one thing we kind of lose sight of sometimes. If, if, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God's got my back, that's all I need. And, and we forget sometimes that God, if, if God is influencing our life and guiding our life, we're on like a, a track as long as I got my hand on that guide rail like Brother Bram talked about. As long as I'm holding on to that and don't let go, God is going to see me to the finish line. Amen. So I should be content with that. Right. We're trusting and relying that he is going to see us to the finish line because he's got us. We're, we're his and he's ours. Amen. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me now there's when you're really trusting in the lord when you're trusting that god's going to take care of the situation right so he paul's saying in hebrews chapter 13 let your conversation be without covetousness and be content and luke chapter 12 it said and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence. And look how it looks, lumps in covetousness with all of those things that seem to be pertaining to immoral, unholy living. Covetousness, which is idolatry. In 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Brother Brown would say selfishness, greed, immorality, everything else that's in the calendar of God's wrongdoing. The church is picking up those habits. Men drinking, smoking, telling jokes, women cutting their hair, wearing makeup, doing all kinds of things, dressing themselves immorally to face the people. All those things are because it's a lack of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanse us from all unrighteousness and in another place he said lot was down there greedy and went down in sodom and kept leaning his tent that way because perhaps mrs lot wanted them kind of dresses that they were wearing down in sodom and she wanted to be like that see god god had given them everything they needed but they looked down in sodom and weren't satisfied with what they had and started to covet the world Paul would say in Romans chapter 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. Now look how he says this. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So he's equating lusting with coveting. And in Ephesians chapter 5, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Let it not even be mentioned. And Colossians chapter 3 mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry I want to throw this in there too because Brother Brown said I haven't coveted money, he said I don't take money, I was a Baptist preacher for several years, 12 years, pastor of tabernacle there at Jeffersonville and never one time took an offering in my life, never one time I worked for a living, in other words it wasn't he wasn't doing it for money. Let's, let's read re- what he, he He was telling a story in Israel in the church about this rancher that walked out of there. He said, Reverend Bradham, I said, yes, sir. He said, you see them mountains over yonder? Now, picture this story. He's, he's pointing to the mountains way out in the distance. I said, yes, sir. How far you think they are away? I said, I don't know. <coughs> he said, they're 80 miles. said, I own plumb to that and plumb beyond that. It's my grazing ground. I said, my, that's wonderful. He said, now see down in there, see that city. He said, I own the bank in that city. I own all that ground down around there. And I own this way. Oh, all, all all that land, He could, as far as he could see, that little thing over there, that thing over there, the, all the way down to the mountains. And then Brother Branham said, I stopped in this little station wagon. I looked at him, very nice man. I laid my hand on his shoulder. I said, brother, I want to ask you a question. He said, all right. I said, look right up this way. Look up that way. How much do you own of that way? He said, Brother Brown, I'm afraid I don't own anything. I said, there's where my treasures are laying now. I don't have nothing down here but a tent or a cottage. Why should I care? They're building a place, a palace for me over there of rubies and diamonds and silver and gold. His coffers are full and his riches untold. Yes, sir. That's where the riches lays up yonder where your treasures is. Your heart is also. Now, now, now that's summing up all those things that Paul just talked about. To not covet anything of this world, not covet somebody, don't covet that big nice car that your neighbor's got, but covet this. Covet treasures in heaven. I, I, I was I was watching in the news recently with some some big Hollywood star died, and I was thinking about all the stuff that they had, all the great riches and everything, and then they go down into the grave and and what what is all what is that what is your life for if you just live for the things of this world? but if you live for God and you 're stored up treasures in heaven, what does it matter if you just got a little cottage what if you what does it matter if you've got a little concrete house like these little brothers and sisters in Nicaragua or Honduras they don 't have nothing in the world but they 've got treasures in heaven that 's more than anything <clears throat> i I was watching a an interview of, of this um this uh, actor where they were saying they were asking him why do the these big hollywood stars that have everything and they got all this money why do they get so caught up in drugs and he said i'll give you a fair answer and i thought that was pretty good he said because we're born with something empty on in, on the inside and i we're trying to feel that and see there's the only thing that'll feel that emptiness is what we're preaching about today and this morning is the, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing that can feel that emptiness, that thirst that's in every, every person's heart is the life of God. So what does Paul say in verse 1? He says, Let brotherly love continue. Be you not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers god will judge let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for he hath said i will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the lord is my helper and i will not fear what man shall do unto me and in verse seven and eight we, 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 we'll just kind of get uh, finished on this. Remember them which have the rule over you. Yes. Amen. Now, there's a scripture that's a little bit misinterpreted. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. What's the end of their conversation? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the reason I say it's a little bit misinterpreted, let's see, let's see what Brother Branham really said that because we think sometimes the rule over you means like uh, that, that there's going to be like a king over you that's going to rule over you, come into your home and tell you how to dress and how to do and everything and when you need to come to church and, and, and control you like that. And, uh, uh, it, but, but that's not exactly the way that Brother Branham explained this. He said it is the word that rules us, not men. Now, see, we're up behind the pulpit, and we're preaching the word to you. And when the word grabs a hold of your life, it's not a man controlling you and telling you every little detail about how you need to live your life. But you become subject to the word, and the word begins to control you. You become like Paul. I'm, I'm a prisoner to Jesus Christ. And the word says I need to come to church, so I'm going to come to church. Not because a man told me that if I don't come to church, I'm going to get a scolding, but because the word tells me I need to. He said, now a man as a husband is head of the woman. He rules her, but the church is a woman too. And her ruler is the word. Jesus is the word. If she rejects the word and takes any other headship, she is an adulteress. Let's, let's read this quote. Well, we got one minute. Let's read this in these different translations. And we'll end on this as the musicians come forward. And the NIV, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. In the ESV, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way. Of, so what's it talking about? Your leaders, you've got to be living a good life. Because otherwise, you will, you will lose confidence in them. And you will not be able to fulfill their scripture. That's why it's so important. Oh, we get into something here. The next time maybe. And NLT, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives And follow the example of their faith. And the NASB, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their way of life, imitate their faith. And we'll end on that. God bless you.